Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. What happens when the mantle of a hero passes from one hero to another? How does a mentor deal with the one taking up their mantle? And how does that differ from sidekicks? What are the ethics of sidekicks? And all of these questions. We'll be talking about these as we look at the show Batman Beyond and how it compares to some other shows being talked about today. All that and more with Paul and Ashley and myself. After this commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm your host. I'm joined today by Paul and Ashley. Paul has been the one who, uh, he's been telling me for a while about the show Batman Beyond and, and got me into it. And I know he and I have been talking about wanting to record on this for a while. So I'm really glad we're going to get this chance now and finding ways to kind of tie it into other stuff going on uh, more topically. So Paul, how are you doing today? How are you feeling about this episode? Uh, I'm feeling good about this episode. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy that my plan to get you to watch 52 animated episodes plus a movie <laughs> and another <laughs> epilogue from another series has been successful again <laughs> i will say of the many things that you've encouraged me to watch this is not my favorite but it was, still, mm-hmm. it was definitely good and i think it raised some great questions i'm looking forward to to talking with you about fair and ashley how have you uh seen any of this show nope awesome. <laughs> i feel like i feel like i'm the sidekick here yeah <laughs> also the You're one the to keep us honest <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing we found is that, you know, sometimes we'll do something where we expect everyone's watch the show, like episodes we do about new movies or TV shows. But something, I think a format that's found that we found that really works is where we say, here's a TV show or a movie that is older, maybe not everyone has seen it, but it really ties into some some more global, you know, more recognizable questions and issues of superheroes that a lot of people care about. And so... I think it's great when we can take one of those shows and then use it to say, let's talk about these larger questions. The problem is, it's sometimes we can do it in a way where the person who's listening along who hasn't seen it has no idea what we're talking about because we go <laughs> way too deep. Um, so uh, at both Ashley and Paul, you have both been the person at various points to uh, to be that person who hasn't uh, been a part of the content and can help us you know, make sure the, co- the conversation stays open to everybody. So I'm really glad, Ashley, that you're here as well. Thanks. I'm excited. I love doing these. Great. Where I come and know nothing. I learn something. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. You could, you're, you're our Jon Snow tonight. That's what we're going to call that role, the Jon Snow. <laughs> I know nothing. So let me make one quick note before we get too far into this about upcoming programming. As you have probably seen, or if you haven't seen the show, you may have heard, the TV show Falcon and the Winter Soldier is raising quite a lot of ethical issues. I'm not going to go into them because I want to not avoid, avoid spoilers, but there's definitely a lot to sink our teeth into. After the first episode, Paul and I said, you know, maybe there's a lot here to talk about. Let's record for like 20 minutes after the first episode and see where it goes. And then after the second episode, we recorded a 90-minute episode and realized we need to talk about every episode of the show going forward. <laughs> so <laughs> um, start. this is going to be uh, – after this episode, we're going to switch our production schedule a bit and record an episode about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we'll do an episode after each one of their episodes come out. And that will be the main superhero ethics content for the next couple weeks. We're going to try and also do a couple other episodes that we will um, uh, fit in there when we can. And those will come out on Tuesdays. But for the most part, probably new episodes are going to come out depending on how fast we can record them after each episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier. Probably on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. With shooting for uh, Saturday, uh, but often May, depending on when we can get scheduled, Sunday or Monday. So... Uh, For those of you who are not watching that show or not watching that show yet, don't worry. There's going to be some other content as well. And it'll only be about, um, I think it's going to be four more weeks and then we'll be back to a normal schedule. But that show is just raising so many good issues, so many things we want to talk about that we decided that we're going to put our focus there for a bit. So just letting you know for upcoming content. 
Uh, but now let's get into this. And I think we're going to be talking about these kind of larger questions about when a, a mantle passes from one hero to another, which I don't think it's a spoiler to say that that's a part of what's happening in Falcon the Winter Soldier because it's that that you know we we saw that happen at the end of uh, uh, Endgame. But but obviously that those questions come up a lot, as do questions about sidekicks and what happens when the original hero gets more people on the team, whether to pass the mantle to them or as sidekicks or whatever. And I think for many of us, the first person we talk we think about when we ask those questions is Batman. And Batman Beyond is a is a really interesting show because it really hits directly at those questions with the the main story being about Bruce Wayne passing on the mantle to a new Batman. And that part of their stories involve coming into contact with people who were sidekicks and, and how that went for them. And so there's just so much there to talk about. Um, and so let me just start by, uh, Paul, give us a quick summary of what is Batman Beyond? What do people need to know about it to understand this conversation we're having? All right. Batman Beyond is an animated series set in Neo-Gotham starting in 2039, where a high school kid, Terry McGinnis, meets a retired Bruce Wayne and discovers his secret on the same night Terry's father is murdered. Terry steals the new technologically advanced Batsuit and tries to get justice for his father, eventually becoming the new Batman. The whole series is set in a cyberpunk future, is a lot more sci-fi than most Batman, and is sort of half-kids show, half-aimed at older audiences. Gotham itself features a lot of giant Chinese characters on the buildings, and some of the modern slang is actually Mandarin. Um, There's also a movie called Return of the Joker featuring Mark Hamill and a few crossover episodes in the Justice League Unlimited animated series, notably Epilogue, the last episode of season one or three, depending on how you look at it. There have also been a number of comics based on the premise. Bruce serves as sort of a mentor and guy in the chair for Terry, and more than anything, the series explores what it means to be Batman and the dynamic between these two Batmans. Also, there's one episode called Egg Baby, where Terry takes care of a sort of robot egg baby as a school project while doing Batman things. (laughs) And this was clearly the proof of concept for The Mandalorian. (laughs) How old is he supposed to be? He's like somewhere between like 15 to 17 in the beginning, I think. Yeah. And the suit is powered, so it kind of gives him, you know, he can fly in the suit. It's got all the gadgets and everything, um, and it enhances strength and absorbs damage and stuff like that. So it's not like he's Bruce Wayne where he had to train for decades and then wear spandex and, like, go out with just his wits <laughs> and his skills, right? Yeah. Um, this feels like if Tony Stark meant Batman and was like, you've got a great idea. Let yes. me play with this a bit. <laughs> mm. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. So, Ashley, that explains the whole show, right? I'm sure you have no questions. Everything's clear? Totally. Done. All right. Totally printed. got it. Yeah. So, Ashley, we'll, go, we'll get into the issues, but just to start, are there any questions you have about kind of what, what we're talking about here? Uh, you got my – it was pretty much just the age one. Um, but no, I think that was a pretty good synopsis. It's like uh, futuristic and he doesn't have to work out. And I guess Alfred's dead. Alfred's dead. Alfred's. Yeah, Alfred's dead. Okay. Um, Batman retired 20 years earlier. They show like the opening scene is 2019. Um, remember then? Uh, and <laughs> Bruce is, you know, as Batman is, How is old? like trying to do Batman How stuff. How old is he? I think it's... A- I think he's probably like 60 then, okay. is my guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's like, basically he's fighting and then he's like having a heart attack or something. And then he picks up a gun to point it at someone. And then he's like, oh, I just picked up a gun. I can't be Batman. Oh, anymore. really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's a hard scene and it hits hard. I think it's it a is. big part of the dynamic between the two of them. 
And actually, sure. I do love the question you asked because I think one of the the one of the things I think that distinguishes Terry from some of the sidekicks, the Robins especially, is that I think generally those folks often, with Batman, I should say as a disclaimer, anytime I say like generally Robins are this or generally Batman does this, like any world in which Batman is both the Adam West Batman 66 and the Christian Bale Dark Knight, there's obviously so many different Batmans, you know, there's so many. Right. Right. So we're going to talk about kind of general yeah. ideas of the story and different versions. Okay. But anyone who, anytime we say something like that says, you know, Batman's generally this, I'm sure you can find a comic or a TV episode that says actually hears him doing something different. We're going to just kind of talk <laughs> about the general themes and stuff like that. Okay. But I, I'm, yeah, but I, I like that age question because I think it's a very important part of the, the discussion here. Just to answer, I think your point, Matthew, was that Robins are often a lot younger or start a lot yes, younger yes, than sorry. Terry did. Oh, you do younger than 15? How yeah. old's Robin? We'll get into that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And um, does old Batman want want this kid to be Batman or like in a like a Tony Stark to Spider-Man kind of way? Or is he like, I want to be Batman. And he's like, no, you're not ready. It's actually the op. It's not the Tony Stark thing. It's um, in the first couple episodes, basically, Bruce Wayne and Terry meet each other because they're they're kind of involved in, in this thing. And the way that Terry's father got killed involves something with Wayne Corp that's now involved with another person. And. Uh, they help each other a bit in a fight. Uh, Terry actually saves Bruce. Hmm. But then later, when Terry wants to look into the events uh, surrounding the death of his father, he steals the Batman suit from Wayne. Okay. And at first, Wayne is really pissed about this and wants to stop him and, and does stop him in the middle of a fight. But he comes to recognize that Terry could be a good Batman. And that's when they kind of shift into the mentorship role. Okay. So let's just start with this idea of passing on the mantle, because obviously I said it's it's kind of coming up in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's certainly pa- come up in other movies. And I think, frankly, we're going to see a lot of it in coming years as kind of like in Marvel, at least one generation of heroes starts to retire and, you know, new ones start to come along. Um, you know, and we're going to get a new we may get it. I think we're going to get a new Black Panther. We may get a new I, we're going to get a new Iron Man um, or an Iron Person, um, all these kind of things. So. For both of you, what are kind of your general thoughts on what happens when the mantle passes from one character to another? I find it scary. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like we've been with these, you know, with certain characters for so long. Um, it's hard to, it still hasn't quite like hit me that Chris Evans really isn't coming back. Um, <laughs> and seeing everybody with the shield, I'm like, that's cute. That's cute. You all look really cute with that. But just, I don't know. It's a little scary. Um, I'm trying to think of any films that they've done it and it's worked out. Um, besides it being the same character, like Batman and Batman and Batman, like somebody else actually getting it. And I'm blanking on any, if you guys can think of any. I feel like the Zorro movies and the Zorro story is one of my favorite examples mm. of this, where um, yeah. the, the most recent one is with uh, uh, a long time ago still, Anthony Hopkins and uh, Antonio Banderas, but also the, the much older Errol Flynn one, you know, that, that Zorro uh, I, I've always, is, as I understand it, is kind of this like legend that numerous people step up into the role of. Mm-hmm. Um, also the Dread Pirate Roberts, though not quite a hero. In the yes. Same way. <laughs> oh, such a good example. <laughs> The real Dread Pirate Roberts had been living for decades yeah. <laughs> on his Had <laughs> retired to wherever. Um, I think in, in things we've seen recently, I think Ant-Man is actually a good example. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not a good one. Like, on the other hand, we didn't see the Hank Pym Ant-Man for any length of time. Right. 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 
So it was a little easier for them to set it up that way. Um, you know, in DC, I think Black Canary that most of us are familiar with is not the first Black Canary. She's the, the daughter of, of the first Black Canary. Um, and I, this this whole idea of legacy is um, very big in the comics, but most franchises have not really gone on long enough to really explore it. I mean, if, if there was a fourth Christopher Nolan Batman, I think it might have been called Nightwing. Yeah. You know, it might have been that character who was called whose middle name was robin and it was like a really kind of to me kind of awkward shoehorning this idea but at the same time i could have totally seen that being where that series went and that was that was you know i mean it was called the dark knight rises and literally the last scene was a platform with you know uh jgl's character on it going up (laughs) like literally rising and he was becoming the dark knight right right? (laughs) like so um but in terms of like actually seeing a character on screen and then seeing their successor on screen for, you know, both characters for a significant uh, period of time. I can't, I can't really think of anything, you know, Mm -hmm. even Zorro, as I recall, was framed more as here's the new Zorro being mentored by the old Zorro, but we don't really get to see the old Zorro being Zorro a whole lot. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think generally like uh, that's part of what makes Batman beyond so unique is we did get the Batman with, um, and it's the same act. The, the the actor doing the voice of Bruce Wayne mm, is yeah. the same actor who did Kevin the voice Conroy. for Batman the Animated Series. So this very much feels like a cool. sequel to Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, and it, it very much is, yeah. you know. And in the movie Return of the Joker, they have Mark Hamill doing the Joker also, yeah. and you know they have a lot of a lot of the same uh, people. When well, so, what are some of the questions you think that comes up in terms? Like one thing I think is interesting is. There's so many different ways that that mantle can be passed on, you know. Um, in some cases, it's because the older one actually dies and has nothing to do with who becomes the new one. This is, I think, one of the rare situations where, you know, in some, way, in some ways Terry takes it, but it's only once Bruce really gives his affirmation and says, okay, I'll work with you, that he really becomes Batman in a, in a real way. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning, he's, he steals the bat suit and he's just, he's a, a guy wearing the bat suit. Right, he's not Batman just because he's wearing the bat suit. But then, you know, once Bruce is like, "Okay, let's do this," because Terry's clearly committed to the idea, right, right? and um, and is willing to put in the training, willing to put in the work, um, willing to have his social life totally destroyed, uh, <laughs> although somehow not totally destroyed. Mm-hmm. I don't know; it's kind of amazing. Um, but you know it. It is, it's like they are Batman, yeah. right? They're two Batmans, but like Bruce is never not Batman. He's not Batman going out and doing Batman things anymore. Uh, but there's a great line in one episode where, you know, something, there's something about Bruce and he's like, that's not what I call myself in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And Terry's like, what do you call yourself? And he just gives him a look. It's like, oh, of course you would. Yeah. You know, like he is Batman. Bruce <laughs> becomes Batman. That becomes his identity, the way he sees himself for the rest of his life, even after he can no longer physically do Batman things. Right. So when Terry becomes kind of like the body of Batman in a lot of ways, uh, Bruce is still the mind of Batman in terms of he's still the detective, right? He's still. Um, and in that way, it's very much a sequel to the animated series where it was very heavy on the, the detective work and not just the physicality of right. it. And I think that that's we're going to get more into Barry. Yeah, 
Bruce and Terry's relationship in a bit. Mm -hmm. But I think that what you just highlighted there is one of the most interesting parts, I think, of their dynamic because to a large extent, Terry is not quite the same way in that for Terry, Bat, like, like Batman is the core identity and Bruce is what he, you know, dresses up as sometimes. Mm -hmm. Terry, I think... Right. is closer to Terry being the core identity and Batman being what he dresses up to. And that shifts somewhat over the course of the of the show. But I think yeah. one of the interesting things I think that, that comes up here is kind of a, the broader question is what happens when the mantle is passed on from one to another and they have somewhat different ideas about what the mission is and how important that mission is as opposed to the rest of your life. Because there's definitely a tension of Bruce sometimes being frustrated that Terry still cares about his high school girlfriend and not failing classes in high school when for Bruce, it should be the mission and nothing else matters. Right. And I feel like that brings us back around a little to Falcon and the winter soldier in terms of passing on the mantle. And, you know, like Steve Rogers was captain America. Like, why was he called captain America? Basically because they wanted to use him in USO shows, right. Mm -hmm. During world war two. And, you know, then, then he became a superhero because, I mean, he physically became a super soldier, but they, like, didn't even want to really use him uh, as a soldier. But then once he, he just did it on his own. He was like, I'm going to do this because it's what I think needs to be done, you know, because there's a bunch of people who've been captured. And I'm I'm just going to go and, and break them out because I think I can. <laughs> and, you know, when this new guy, um, light spoilers, I guess, um, <laughs> becomes Captain America, it's because the government said they want a mascot who's Captain America, but then he's also, like, off doing missions. Like, it's, I've, I mean, it's kind of unclear, but the question is, like, does he have the same values? And, you know, in terms of the mantle, like, can somebody else just take up the mantle of something, or does it have to be passed on? Because at the end of Endgame, it was very clearly passed on. Mm -hmm. To someone who then said, well, maybe, maybe this isn't who I'm going to be. Maybe, you know, maybe America isn't ready for this. Like, there's a lot of, there's huge questions there, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, for me, there's a question even like, should there be a Captain America in, like, the modern world where America does the things it does compared to, like, in World War II, it's a lot more understandable. Like, yeah, okay, stop Hitler, cool, you know? <laughs> but, like... You know, I, I feel like there's a difference between, like, punching Saddam Hussein in the mouth and, like, punching Hitler in the mouth. Um, and I think you also raise a great point there of, like, I don't want to dunk on Steve Rogers by any means. He's obviously, like, one of the best heroes we've had on screen. But I think there's something interesting that Cap doesn't ask Sam. He doesn't say, like, do you want to be Captain yeah. America? He just says, like, this is this is who you are going to be now. I'm giving this to you. And even when Sam even then is like, I don't think this belongs to me. And Cap is like, no, it does. And he, he's doing that to reassure him. <laughs> but he's also not right, really right. giving Sam a chance to say, I don't think I want to do this. Right. I, I think that he really thought it through, though. And I think he knew what he was doing. I think he knew, like the new, wait, I don't know how spoiler we want to get. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> how we're to trying talk not it. to have any spoilers for Falcon the Winter Soldier. If we can just okay. talk about like, well, what based we saw off, in Civil War. Well, yeah, well kind of like with this new captain america being more of a government in you know put in thing he has um i'm trying to listen to me dance around this i don't know what to say all right i'm gonna say it. you can tell me if we can cut it like cut it uh he has more rules he has to follow where he where steve knows that sam has kind of the same 
um, feelings as he does towards the things that were important to him, you know, standing up for what you have to, even if, you know, the government and people are telling you not to. So mm-hmm. him kind of making that decision, like nobody else is going to do the things that, you know, I think are right with this, but you right. was probably, you know, it's like a big part of it. And, and that's kind of, he's like, yeah, you have to, because I don't think anybody else can. <laughs> yeah. And I think it raises some good questions about, you know, what does it mean? Because, uh, Paul, you brought up a really good quest- point about how, on the one hand, like a government wants someone like Captain America to be the symbol of nationalism and stuff. But I think for Steve, <clears throat> you know, it, he didn't just say, I'm going to give you the shield, which you can use to be Falcon. Because Sam is already this great hero. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But I think I think even Steve recognizes, like, that there is value to the 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 sort of picture, the image that the world has of this figure named Captain America who stands for these values even when the country doesn't. And he doesn't want that kind of... I mean, it's a PR move in some ways. He mm-hmm. wants that image to still be there. And I think you're right, right, actually. It is a very smart thing of him to do. And he probably is very... You know, in some ways, that's why he's kind of okay being like, Sam, you don't have a choice. Like, because it's not just like, Sam, this would be good for you. It's the world needs you. Mm-hmm. And that's such a Car- Captain America thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I could go on about the 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 Captain America and Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. thing forever. Um, I think I'll try not to go too far down that one. Uh, save it for Friday or yeah. Saturday because I'm sure it'll come up again. Like I said, folks, um, we will do episodes on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. You get to hear all yeah. of our thoughts. But I I do think it's a really interesting question, and like I, I'm not sure that there should be a Captain America anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but in you know in Batman Beyond, circling back to that, there is another character who decides that there should always be a Batman. Right. And um, I guess that would have been right after, like, I I never thought about the timeline too much, but it would have been right after Bruce retired because um, there's a whole thing about how... The Joker? No. Should should I? Yeah, Yeah, let me say here we're going to give a big spoiler for what happens in the... um, it's an it's an episode of Justice League Unlimited, but it's meant as an epilogue to all of Batman Beyond. So if you have not seen it yet, you don't want to be spoiled. Maybe skip ahead three or four minutes because we'll discuss it for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, and it's an epilogue to um, to the Justice League Unlimited series too, specifically the Cadmus arc with Amanda Waller. Right. Um, it's actually maybe my favorite piece of superhero fiction ever, and I think definitely my favorite Batman story. Right. And so what happens here is it, it's a complicated episode. There's a lot going on. But the key for here is that um, Terry finds out that he is actually genetically very closely related to Bruce oh. Wayne. And at first he thinks that means that Bruce is either his father or like had him cloned or something like that. But what we learn of the course of the episode is that Amanda Waller, who was always both kind of a uh, – for those who don't know, Amanda Waller was – the, uh, she's in Suicide Squad. She's in, been in a couple of things. She's the person in the DC comic world who's kind of from the the part of the government that's very scared of superheroes. Not just in a government control way, but in a like, we need to have control so that, I'm saying control, not just in an evil government way, but also in a like, you know, if Superman goes bad, we're all screwed. We need protections against that kind of thing. And she eventually comes to realize that Batman is much more her ally than she would have given credit for and that the world needs Batman. And so she identifies that Terry's parents are actually quite similar to Bruce's, that he's a very similar sort of ethical makeup. And she um, injects 
uh, the person who becomes Terry's father, she like they set up a medical thing and injects him with basically with Bruce's DNA in a way that kind of attaches to his reproductive system. It's, it's kind of unclear. <laughs> yeah, she overwrites his sperm, basically. Oh. Like, so basically, Terry is born with a, as though Bruce was the, was the sperm donor, hmm. basically. And uh, Amanda even goes so far as to try to arrange to have Terry's parents killed as he's coming out of a movie while he's eight years <laughs> oh, old. God. To really get that good old Batman effect... Um, the killer decides not to go through with it, which winds up Amanda realizing is the right move. And so that's in part why, like, so Terry is Bruce, but if Bruce had had a much different childhood and had had his parents die, only one of his parents die at a time much later in his life. Yeah, and hadn't witnessed it personally in front of his eyes, too. I think that sort of lower grade of trauma is kind of relevant as well. Yeah. Uh, But here, yeah, for this, it's that definitely, like, um, I mean, they're... Like, talk about that. Yeah. So Amanda Waller deciding, like, the yeah. world needs a Batman. Yeah. We're going to pass on the mantle by interfering with people's genes. Like, <laughs> wow. Basically, like, creating Classic a child. Like, I don't know much about yeah, her, like, but from what I saw in the Suicide Squad movie, but uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Viola Davis is really good as her. I think, uh, is it CCH Pounder? Um, yeah. Who does the voice and is amazing in the, the Justice League series. Um, she's this very, like, relatable, understandable, willing to basically do whatever it takes, sometimes is doing a bunch of things just to cover her own ass, but also very clearly has a motivation that it's like, yeah, I get that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I think we have to do an episode on her at at some point as well, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's one of my favorite DC characters, but the, right. the idea that like she decided there has to be a Batman, you know, and then, um, did all this stuff with the jeans. It's uh, just as a brief aside, like Terry's mom is, I guess his actual mom and Terry's dad. Well, I mean, was his dad, but then Bruce is, is his, <laughs> you know, gene donor, his other dad. donor, um, like, sort of interestingly, I've always thought Terry looks, like, Asian or, like, half Asian. Kind of, like, like Brandon Lee-ish a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, neither of his parents really look Asian. So my conclusion is, in the DC animated universe, uh, Bruce Wayne is Asian. Yeah, that could be yeah. possible. I, I, I think the real reason is that uh, there's certainly a lot of the animation of that Batman Beyond that tells me that it was drawn by people who had watched a lot of anime. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the, the, it's. I think it's entirely um, drawn in in South Korea. Oh, okay. That makes so sense. So I, I think there is. There's, but yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, that's. I was like, <laughs> that's like, Asian. It's more than Paul? that. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding. Like, it's like yeah, there's a very strong anime influence to the show for sure, um, which is really interesting. But yeah, so I, I think so. We've talked about some different kinds of ways of pant- passing on the mantle, and I think. To me, the core of this is that the consent of the person who it's being passed on to becomes really important. Mm-hmm. And that's both like them, you know, actively agreeing to it, you know, which Sam is like in the process of figuring out if he's going to do. But also that like the person be in a position where they can do that. Because right. for me, I think part of what and we'll get in now to this idea of sidekicks, part of what got me thinking about this when I part of what I wanted to start watching the show is I've always been kind of troubled by the idea of Bruce Wayne taking in a 12-year-old boy or a 13-year-old boy or and then um, Barbara Gordon, a, a young girl. And, and you know, they say they want it, but at 13, I'm not sure how 
you know, well, a person's ready to make those kind of life decisions. <laughs> and like, I don't think Batman ever coerces them into it, but there's definitely kind of some ideas of like, I don't know if Bruce Wayne is doing the best thing for these kids. And Terry, there's some of that, but I feel like it's, it's somewhat different. So let's just kind of start there. What are your takes on the idea of a sidekick for a hero, especially one who starts out as fairly young? See, personally, if I put myself in the world, I'd be like, yeah, I'd want to do that. Don't tell me I can't do that. I don't care how old I am. I'll be your sidekick. Like, it'd be really hard to get rid of me if I met Batman. And I was like, please teach me. Um, (laughs) But uh, I guess if you look at it from like an ethical kind of thing, it's almost like grooming. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really good way to think of it, maybe. Yeah, like the the way the exact words you used after talking about Barbara Gordon seemed horrible. Like that whole thing like, turned me into a thirteen-year-old. They wanted it. I'm like, he was oh, this, like, he's taking thirteen-year-old and twelve-year-old boys and a girl. I was like, this sounds yeah. out of context. I horrible. That's <laughs> cracking up. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> I do think Barbara is fairly different from Dick and Tim and Jason where mm-hmm. um and I forget the other Robins That name is a on. lot of different um, names I didn't know. Besides Damien. But yeah, there's a lot of names. <laughs> there's a lot of names. But like Barbara Barbara is like Terry, I think, where mm-hmm. she decides I'm going to be Batgirl. She makes her own outfit and she just goes and does it. And then Batman's like, "What are you doing?" You know, no, you have to right. stop. And then she's like, I'm not going to stop. Like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, okay, this is what we want to do. Also, she's not his ward. Like, and also right. I think she's more like 16 or like an older teenager. Yeah. I don't think she's usually like really like a girl girl. Um, yeah, that's you know, She's true. more of a young woman. And and Terry's more of a young man. And I, I think um, there's a lot, there's just more agency there, right? Not that there's no agency for like a 10 year old or a 12 year old. I mean, I was making major life decisions when I was five. I understand that's like fairly unusual, oh, but like, <laughs> of you course know, you were. but so, <laughs> I mean, that's when I was like, I'm not eating. Yeah. You're like, I don't want anymore. pizza tonight, mummy. I want pasta. <laughs> Uh, yeah, except like, I don't want you to kill things and feed them to me, but like, you know, my parents were very supportive of that. And if they hadn't been like, I think I just would have had a miserable childhood, but you know, so I, you know, but that said, like major life decision being like what I'm going to eat is like a little different than like, no, I'm going to dress up in tights and go fight crime in the streets with like murderous, (laughs) like, you know, supervillains. So, you know, it does seem fairly irresponsible the younger Robin is, right? Yeah. Um, I do think there's a point at which it's like, yeah, okay. Um, personally, I never liked sidekicks. I was not into the whole Robin thing. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed, like, Batman 66 as a kid, like, on TV. But, like, yeah. when they started going with Batman and Robin and then, you know, I mean, even Batman Forever, which had Robin, I was just kind of like, mm. You know, and some of that's like those movies, but also just, I just wasn't into the whole idea of sidekicks. And oddly, it was Batman Beyond that kind of brought me around on the whole, kind of seeing Dick Grayson differently, even though he's not in the show, but he's referenced, right? Right. Like, understanding Robin differently and, and seeing kind of that, like, yeah, it probably wasn't such a good decision to have these kids be superheroes. I mean, obviously, they are in the stories for kids, you know, like the point is for kids to be like, Oh, I can do that too. You know, like without having to grow up first. Um, So I think it's to expand the appeal, the appeal to a younger audience, but from an ethical standpoint, um, 
I think having a child sidekick can be pretty messed up. I think there's always going to be some power dynamic stuff at play um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, sort of like main hero sidekick. Uh, But at the same time, to go kind of in the opposite direction, uh, and this maybe touches more on like the show Arrow, I do think having a sidekick, you know, uh, sort of guy in the chair or girl in the chair, like like Oracle, um, kind of adds a little bit of sort of um, accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, to the hero. So I think there is something like, yeah, if you have Robin there with you, you might, if there's a spot where you're like, you know, am I going to cross this line that I don't want to cross? That's maybe a little extra kind of voice in your head like, no, I'm not going to do that in front of them, Mm -hmm. you know. I think you raised two great points that for me really highlight the difference that that I think the show gets into about the difference between a partner versus sidekick. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things you talked about was um, the idea of the, the power difference there and the power dynamic. And I think one part of that is that if you're a sidekick, like you're always going to, there's a, that adds to the power dynamic of the age relationship. You know, you're always out on a mission with, with the, the, the main hero is giving you the orders, telling you what to do. When the mantle has been passed on, like Terry's operating in the field alone. Yeah. And he's getting advice and suggestions from Batman and, and somewhat taking orders from Batman, but he has a lot more agency. For he sure. has a lot more ability to decide to do something different. The other thing though, is that, I also think well, – I think the point you made about accountability is so good. I think it's very important that someone who's 15 or 16 and has a home and a family to go home to mm-hmm. is in a much better position to say, Bruce, I think you're wrong, than a 13-year-old kid who's living with Bruce and has literally no other connections. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean he's basically a, you know, a surrogate father or he's he's the, you know, the guardian, the legal guardian of – pretty much all the other robins at least in the you know in the beginning hmm. um right and that definitely complicates things in in i would say a, a negative way whereas with terry it's like yeah terry can just go home and quit and he'd be like yeah and then his younger brother will be like who's this guy he's never here <laughs> <laughs> um and you know similarly barbara like you know when she's bat girl she's you know i think she lives with her parents and so she right. can just go home i mean she can't totally get away from the, that world because her dad's a police commissioner mm. um also slightly spoilery but not really spoilery note about batman beyond barbara gordon becomes the new commissioner gordon which i, I thought is both like pretty cool because it's like cool for the character i think but also mm-hmm. like I don't know. I feel like people shouldn't become the thing that their parents were in this very powerful role in a huge city. You know, yeah. like I do think though that Barbara Gordon is a very important character, especially for this conversation we're having, because I think one of the things I really like I like about the show is that a lot of the times when I have watched what I feel like are very unhealthy dynamics between a hero and a sidekick. It seems like the sh- the writers of the show don't get it. Mm, yeah. Here, it's very clear that the writers are very aware of how unhealthy it can be. For and sure. Barbara is definitely someone who feels very, like, ang- she still is carrying resentment and anger of that she was, like, what happened with her and Bruce and her becoming Batgirl. And is very, like, warning Terry. Like, you know, Bruce doesn't care about you. He just cares about the mission. He's going to use you up. Which proves to be somewhat, though not as entirely true as Barbara says it. Um, 
And then also we get a story, and it's one of the best stories in the whole Batman Beyond universe, so I'm not going to spoil it, but where there's another um, another one of the Robins turns out to also have had very negative experiences that leave him vulnerable to some pretty bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's it's the show is really not – I think the show is being pretty intentional about saying like, yeah, Bruce did not do a great job there and and even with terry and we'll get into the our relation his relationship with terry in a second i think bruce wayne isn't perfect by any means and there's definitely some episodes where bruce is pushing terry too far and terry has to push back someone and bruce kind of has to learn like this kid doesn't have the focus that doesn't have the the same attitude that i do and that has to be okay boundaries bruce (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah I, i i totally agree that um yeah i i i love that barbara gordon's in the show i think She's the principal source of our understanding of sort of, you know, the the flaws in Bruce's approach, in, mm-hmm. especially in the past, but also, you know, to some extent in, in the present, which is our future. Um, <laughs> and uh, it definitely is... Oh, and then when when the other character you referred to shows up, that that adds more to that. But it it's interesting that a show without Robins in it actually kind of has more to say about being Robin than the show that had Robin in it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good point. I want to say also as a quick aside for those folks who want more discussion about Robin and and also kind of a number of sidekicks. What happens when sidekicks get to you know be on their own? Uh, there's another podcast as part of the Stranded Panda Nation. (laughs) There's another podcast that's getting started as part of the Stranded Panda Network uh, called Animation Deliberation. Jay Sadie Sinclair. It's going to be a really interesting show, and I know that they're starting with the show Justice League. So they're going to be doing reviews of Justice League, and um, if you want to hear more about that and want to hear more about animation, the DC Universe, and Sidekicks, definitely check out their show. I think they're going to be doing really interesting explorations of those kind of things. So... With that, um, oh, I was just going to say, Young Justice seems like so much on this theme. Um, yes. So, it, and it's a great show. I highly recommend. It. At least the first season. That's all I've seen. <laughs> yeah, because it's about what happens when a bunch of of these sidekicks get to kind of go off on their own, but are still kind of being babysat by the main heroes and and all the the problems and stuff that happens there. Huh. Okay, so now let's. I think there's so much more we could say about sidekicks and stuff, but let's get more into Batman and Terry's relationship itself. Because I think that is in many ways the the core of the show and is a commentary on all these questions we're talking about. Um, Paul, how would you describe the relationship between Paul <laughs> between Bruce and Terry? Uh, I would describe it as sort of a, I mean, kind of like a mentor-student relationship more than anything. You know, uh, I think some people look at it and think of it as a sort of like father figure relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is that. Um, I, I don't think that's something that Bruce really had in him. And at the same time, as someone who, um, you know, grew up just with my mom from the time I was eight, I think the notion that people like need a father figure is quite paternalistic and fairly misguided. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think Terry looks at Bruce as like this, like male role model to replace his father. Like, and I don't think that's necessary, but I think Bruce does try to guide Terry in terms of more than anything, what it means to be Batman. And a lot of the conflict in the show between the two of them is over, you know, kind of Bruce has this very clear idea 
this is bat this is what it means to be batman you know and terry doesn't quite share that entirely right and he shares you know the the core values in terms of wanting to help people right he has an opportunity to to kind of do things that other people can't um he doesn't go around killing a bunch of people sometimes he lets someone fall to their death although he usually tries to help them you know a little bit of kind of end of batman uh, begins <laughs> <laughs> scenes here and there but um you know i i think terry like really respects Bruce in terms of his ability to be Batman, you know, and the things he's done. But I do think their relationship is fairly limited to, to that one task, you know, because like, you know, for Bruce, the mission is everything and it's the mission above all. And for Terry, when he's on the mission, that's true, but he also has this desire to have a, a, a regular life in addition um, you know, and, and that's where I think a lot of the uh, tension comes from. Definitely. I want to, um, not even push back, but just offer one counterpoint to what you said. I think you're very right that looking at Bruce and Terry as a father figure relationship is kind of problematic. It's something people want to read into those things all the time. I do think that especially in the, the epilogue episode yeah. where it's revealed that he is a genetic match to Bruce Terry says some things that give you the indication that some part of him did want more of a caring relationship from Bruce. For sure. And that he's, he sometimes feels sad. And I, and I think that that, you know, another person coming into his life at, at the time he had lost his father is not completely unconnected to that. Um, and, and that he, he's kind of frustrated that Bruce never cared about his life outside of. Uh, and that there's one kind of scene where Terry, in an earlier episode, Terry takes uh, Bruce to a musical. It's a musical about Batman, which is hilarious. So funny. Um, But it's kind of clear that Terry is trying to build more, like more of a relationship outside the mission, and that Bruce isn't really connected, isn't really interested in that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, other than that, I would I would completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I do think Terry like wants more, you know, in terms of just like he wants to talk to him like a person, you know, like outside of just like just you know the mission. What are we doing? You know, why are we here? And Bruce just, like, doesn't have that gear. Right. And I, I think mean, that... Go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, if you look at all of Bruce's relationships where he might kind of, you know, do something besides just being Batman, like, they're always with others, well, mostly villains, but... <laughs> <laughs> or or heroes, you know, it's like... And I, I get it, like, we don't have a lot of extra characters most of the time in right. in comic book fiction, but, um, you know, it's like, they're, they're co-workers, <laughs> you know, they're colleagues, basically, whether on the same team or, or opposite teams, um, you know, I mean... I mean the the mother of his son is is uh, the daughter of his greatest enemy, you know. So right. Talia Talia Ghoul and Ra- Rachel Ghoul. I was yeah. like I know that reference. And then Damien. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I think to me that is in many ways the heart and soul of the difference between Bruce and Terry and that that's kind of the questions that I like to talk about with this with this show is that you know, uh, and this is an idea that that comes from the uh, from Dave and Jason of the DC On Screen podcast, another great podcast. You should definitely check out. They've done lots of episodes on all the different Batman's. But one of the ideas that one of them came up with, I don't remember which one, 
is the idea that, like, you know, for most heroes, like, Barry Allen is Barry Allen who becomes the Flash. Oliver Queen, in some versions, is a little more, like, kind of the identities get mixed up. But he's wrestling a lot with, like, is he Oliver Queen or is he the Green Arrow? It's very clear, I think, that in most retellings of the story, Bat, like you said this before, Batman is the core identity. and yeah. And... Paul and I were having discussions about this, and I think Paul, the the back and forth helped me better word this. The way I've always understood it is that Bruce Wayne, there's a part of him that's sad that he couldn't have the kind of life that many people have with Selena, Selena Kyle or Talia or, you know, someone else. But that for him, it's not like a, well, he could have chosen it and every moment he regrets it. It's more that like just the nature of who he is is such that he was never going to be happy in that kind of life. He was always going to want to put the mission first. And Terry's not like that. Terry wants the mission. He wants to be a part of the mission, but he's constantly trying to balance that with school and with his family and his, his partner. And he doesn't do a great job of it. And in the ranking of um, superhero girlfriends who get horribly batlit, uh, who get horribly gaslit <laughs> about what they're... Yeah. <laughs> Who get horribly gaslit about what their hero boyfriends do? She's not quite. She's not quite Iris West from the TV show Flash, but she's in the top five to be sure. So she she doesn't but, know gaslit in Gotham. Yeah, exactly. I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know, and it's a lot of the same kind of like she's always worrying where he is and, and wondering if it's because he doesn't like her and he can never tell her and like she gets stood up on dates a lot and all that kind of stuff. He falls asleep while they're at the club together. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> But, but part of the point is that <clears throat> he is constantly saying to Bruce, like, look, Bruce always wants him to cancel dates to go on missions. And most of the time he says yes, but some of the times he says no. And that's where Bruce and Terry often have their biggest conflicts. Because I yeah. think – and it's, I think I like this because it shows, again, Terry having some ability to push back and some agency. Terry is, I think, dedicated to the mission, but it's not as all-consuming. Yeah. and. Frankly, in some ways, that feels like a healthier relationship to being a hero than Bruce yeah. might have. Even though I guess you get your, you know, has she, did she get kidnapped, like, in danger at all during the whole time he was Batman? Did the bad guys start to Once. come after her? Right. Not because of her connection to him. Uh, just a stroke of bad luck. Yeah, she does get in trouble once or twice, but, um... Gotham's gonna Gotham. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I mean, if you're in Gotham, you just get kidnapped here and there. That's just yeah. how Gotham is. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, I, I <laughs> that that whole thing, you know, it's it's frustrating. Like to me, I don't know. I'm like, if I was Batman, I would just be Batman. Like, I wouldn't be messing around with a bunch of other stuff. Like, I don't understand how he's still in high school. Like, yeah. you're, you're the new Batman and you're going to continue high school? No. Like, get some private tutors, whatever. <laughs> like, you, you know, like, like study while you're in the Batmobile cruising around. Like, mm-hmm. uh, high school, I don't know, high school's so ridiculous anyway. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, it, with with Dana, like, I understand he, he, you know, he's dating someone when he becomes Batman. Like, she's important to him. And, you know, his family's important to him. His mom, his brother, like, he doesn't see them that much, but he cares about them. And it's not like Bruce didn't care about anybody throughout his life. But, I mean, from what we see in the beginning, you know, it's like basically we see him with his parents and his parents get killed. Mm -hmm. And those are the people he cared about most. 
And then like, what what else is there? Like he he's coming from a standpoint of not really having a bunch of attachments and becoming Batman. Yeah, he sounds like he's Whereas starting out when, as bitter old man syndrome. Like when you hit that, like yeah, when he's like eight, off basically, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in some ways, Bruce, yeah. you know. But he, uh, I mean, he's just very focused. I think from a very mm-hmm. young age, and so. Mm-hmm he doesn't become Batman as someone who has a bunch of attachments, whereas Terry already has a bunch of attachments. You know, he's too old to begin the training. Wait, no. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so for him, it's like he wants Batman to be like his job. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. I think he actually gets paid, by the way. So, oh. you know, um, Tony Stark could maybe learn a thing or two from Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, he... He's like, this is what I do, but it's not necessarily who I am yet. There's In the Mm -hmm. epilogue, it's like 15 years later, and I'd say Batman has become more of a central part of his identity. Mm -hmm. And that's almost maybe the turning point in that. But at the same time, that's also the turning point where he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, not... um, not kick everyone out of my life like i'm going to stay with the person who's been with me for 15 years while i was batman you know (laughs) like that's some dedication um and so so yeah i think in terms of like healthiness like having a well-balanced life like obviously you know where terry ends up is is better i mean makes more sense Mm -hmm. at the same time like if you really do want to be the best batman that you could be like you, I mean, Bruce probably could have just ditched the Bruce Wayne alter ego too, for the most part. You know, right. like seems like that would get in the way as much as anything. But like, you know, um, yeah, I they, think I would I would push I back know. there a little bit. Um, for, first, I just want to say I think you're right about Terry being in high school is mostly because he wants to hold on to those attachments. Hmm. I also think that the high school Terry goes to is not quite Sunnydale High. But is close in terms of the number of supervillains who emerged from his high school class. Very um, true. Very true. But but the other thing is, I think I am like to me. I, I made a comment to you, and I think we, we, we don't fully agree. And I, I don't think it's quite as extreme as I'm about to say it here. I'm trying to think of how to make, say it more subtly. But I think there's an extent to which like Bruce Wayne, Batman, like cares an awful lot about humanity. You know, mm-hmm. Amanda Waller says, "I've never met someone who cares as much." for his fellow man as batman does batman also though just generally doesn't like people like he's not really a people person (laughs) by any means and i i do think that part of that is because like i think that the fact that he has cut himself off so much from human connection from developing other connections is 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 to me something that makes him who he is but often sometimes he's a hole in the way he sees things uh in terms of like not having that like empathy for the kind of connections and stuff that can happen um and and so i think i think you're right like bruce wayne to be the kind of batman he needed to be and maybe the the batman that was needed at that time needed to have that complete and utter focus but the message i got from the show was that kind of terry is saying you can balance the two of them you can be the, the and that you know the the one of the last episodes ends with him really committing more to his relationship with dana in a real serious way um, so I, I just was saying, like, I, I hear you what you're saying that Bruce would definitely think, like, to be Batman, you have to cut off everything. But but the, sh- the argument I got from the show is that Terry at least is finding, like, you might not have to or like he might not have to. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the epilogue, I feel like Terry is both committing 
more to his relationship with Dana and also more to being Batman and basically to saying, okay, I'm going to do both of these, these things. I can make it work. Um, I personally kind of think Bruce is right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, but at the same time, I understand Terry's perspective. Um, I don't agree on the empathy. I think Bruce is extraordinarily empathetic. And I think that's perhaps one of the reasons that he keeps people more at arm's length. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that empathy is like a very strong feeling that I think he feels can potentially compromise his ability to do his job basically. And I also think that the people who are best at basically any given thing almost always are people who have largely devoted their lives to it, to what most people would appear to be an unhealthy level. (laughs) And I just think that's how you get extraordinarily good at things is by committing to them, being obsessed by them. And I think that does often have a negative reflect uh, effect on one's relationships. It doesn't have to, um, but I, I think to some extent it can preclude having a, an extensive sort of social life beyond, you know, the thing you do. Right. And the show definitely is kind of trying to say, I think, well, maybe that's not true. Um, (laughs) I I just kind of think it is, you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely Mm -hmm. fair. Yeah, and I think Bruce can be very sympathetic, you know, to Harley or to Ace or to, you know, some of the other villains. uh, Not not just women. Those are two that are most coming to mind for me. I mean, even Joker, like he goes and visits him. Right. (laughs) But it feels like, like he... He, and then maybe it's just because of the mission again, but that he doesn't have empathy for the way Barbara was suffering as Batgirl. He doesn't have em- – or he just doesn't think it's important for the way Terry is feeling so hard. You know, that that's, I guess, more yeah. what I meant. And that, right. Some, so, that come up with, with Batman a lot also with some of the other heroes like in Justice well, League. Well, what did he do to Barbara? It's more just alluded to a lot. And so I don't think it's a specific thing that he did to her as much as that he didn't recognize how hard being Batgirl was on her and the damage it was doing to her and that – she says a lot that um, that from her perspective, he only cared about her in terms of her as a tool to help the mission, <laughs> that he wasn't really interested in was this healthy for her? Was it hurting her? Could things have been done differently that he just didn't? Uh, and so maybe that's a better way to put it. It's not as much that he has empathy. It's that he can he can turn off his empathy when he feels it's mm-hmm. needed for the mission. OK. Yeah. So so again, I would say um, I like I hear what you're saying and. Mm-hmm. I, the way I would express the thing that I think is true that's close to what you're saying um, is not that he lacks empathy or can turn off em- empathy. I don't even think that's like really a thing in some ways. But um, I think he fails to express sympathy for um, yes. and like refuses perfect. to express sympathy for, you know, all of his co-workers, sidekicks, whatever they are. Um where he's basically just like, you know, deal with it. Okay. And yeah. uh, and he's he's very unsympathetic towards them. And I, I don't think it's because of a lack of feeling what's going on with them. It's just expecting the base, them to basically subvert their emotions in order to, to get the thing done. Right, yeah. Right. That I think that's a better way of putting it. Certainly um, in Justice League, that same kind of thing happens a lot where there's often, you know, the, the way to solve a problem of a supervillain might be something very harsh that might involve... Um, you know, some where the he, other heroes are kind of balking at the idea that this must be what has to be done. But he's like, no, this is this is the right thing to do. And we have to yeah. get over our sort of squeamishness about, you know, other concerns. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he literally has a plan for how to take out every member of the Justice League. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the rest of them are like, what? <laughs> why would you do that? I understand that? it for like, Superman. Why would I not? Yeah, it would be irresponsible yeah, not to. Yeah, I, I agree with them on that one. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I think, a big part of why him and Amanda Waller go along. Yeah, so oh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. He's He's the... You know, she's the go-between sort of between them and sort of the government, you know, Task Force X, whatever. And yeah. he's kind of the, the meeting point between them and, you know, the shady government agencies, them like, being the I, Justice League. In some kind of a what-if alternate world thing, in the same way of, like, Luke Cage taking over the criminal enterprises in Harlem or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Angel mm-hmm. taking over Wolfram at Heart. I'd kind of <laughs> love to see Batman taking over Cadmus. And being right, like, okay, right. you're all doing it terrible. I'm going to make it better, but I'm, I'm going to make it, like, not as ethically problematic, but also much better at being ruthless the way we need it to be. <laughs> like, I feel like that would be a Justice Lords uh, t- uh, timeline story. Yeah. I, I don't know like what you guys get a are little talking bit about. Of that. There's this <laughs> alternate universe where Superman kills the president, who happens to be Lex Luthor, oh. and oh. all the Justice League are like, now we're going to wear more badass looking outfits and we're just going to kill people if we feel cool. like it and we'll be in total control of everything but everybody will be safer so like the boys kind of kind of oh wait Except i forgot like you don't they like that actually show. took over the entire government yeah yeah but yeah, yeah sort of yeah the justice league is definitely starting down the direction that the main heroes and the the, the the not the heroes of the boys but the people presented as superheroes in the world of the boys gotcha. get to gotcha, gotcha. The, the justice lords right you're talking about yeah justice lords yeah, gotcha yeah, exactly like further down that direction correct yeah 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 the, the justice lords i don't think are as bad as the people who you know as homelander and people like that but they're you can see a path of how one could lead to the other gotcha okay so I think we've hit Cullen to some of the main themes here. Paul, was there other stuff you wanted to bring up? Um, I think I mostly covered it. Um... Oh, there's one thing I think we talked about. Uh, Paul, I think a point you made about the difference between Cap retiring versus Bruce retiring. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So in terms of that, um, you know, I mean, Cap is like, I mean, sure, he's over 100 technically, right? <laughs> But, you know, he was he was a capsicle for, like, more than half of that, right? He's right. been, what, maybe 30-something years he's been a functioning um, person, uh, maybe 40. Yeah, mm-hmm. and about 35 or so by the time of the endgame in terms of life, years that his body has years lived. Li- years experienced while conscious, right? Uh, right. Like, so, you know, and he's physically in his prime. He clearly can keep doing the thing. And he decides, you know, I'm going to retire, which is fair, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, he decides that he'd rather jack up the timeline and, you know, spend some time with Peggy Carter than keep being Captain America Mm -hmm. um, in the... Very difficult times after half the world's population, right? after the world's population doubles. Oh, I agree with you. Make sure right? your friends are okay. Did anybody call Wanda? No? Okay. Yeah. <sighs> like, he probably should have come back and done the thing for a few more years. And then, like, they still got a time thing, right? Right. Yeah. Like, like maybe help Sam become Captain America and help Bucky figure, like, I'm with you, Bucky, till the end of the line, yeah. except if this cute girl wants to dance with me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that was not the end of the line. So, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I'm actually kind of upset by Cap's decision at the end of Endgame and a little bit bewildered by it. Uh, I feel like 
there's a couple spots in Infinity War and Endgame where I'm like, mm, I don't know, not my cap. Like, not in a not my Batman or not my Luke Skywalker kind of way where, like, I'm not enraged by it. But, like, right. it kind of... Actually, I hate Infinity War. But, <laughs> um, but like, it doesn't quite feel right to me. You know, it feels yeah. more like this is where they wanted to take the franchise. So that's how they decided to write the character out. Well, what's his face wanted I'm, out? There's not much you can do when the actor doesn't want to do it anymore. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and that's like, yeah, I mean, that's a tough spot. You know, I, I do think like that's a reasonable spot to want to stop playing a character after, you know, a decade um, or right. Yeah. Uh, But like at the same time, like in terms of just in universe, it's like, Mm, I don't know. Like, you probably should have come back and been like, I am passing on my shield to Sam Wilson, yeah. your new Captain America. Deal with it, America. <laughs> or grabbed a Natasha you know? from a previous timeline, told her what happened, and bring her to the future. Like, here you go, girl. Word. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And first of all, I'll say, for anyone who wants to hear more of both Paul and my thoughts on Infinity War and the idea that we will not sacrifice Vision's life will just sacrifice the lives of hundreds, if not thousands, of nameless Wakandans, <laughs> uh, among other decisions that Cap makes. Definitely check out our episode on Infinity War. But the oh, other I, thing I think is really I interesting here is, Paul, I have a lot more sympathy, I think, for Cap in, in terms of this idea of, like, I, I do think at some point you get to choose to lay the mantle down. And granted, I, Ashley, I think you make a really good point. It, it would have been much better if we could have had Cap in one more property to sort of help Sam and Bucky make the transition. And I think that kind of doesn't make sense. But I think, Paul, that the disagreement you and I have there makes a lot of sense because I think the person who'd probably most be the... The person who'd probably be the most flabbergasted and outraged at Cap's decision is Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Cap is doing exactly what Bruce again and again chose not to do. Yeah. Cap is saying, I did my part for the mission. Now it's someone else's turn. Now I get to go have the life that I've been fighting to allow other people to have. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, Bruce, as as we said earlier, like, he gave up the mantle of Batman because he recognized that he could not physically do it anymore in a way where he felt he wasn't going to compromise his values, right? right? right. Where he was going to just have to, like, start shooting people because that was the only way he could keep up or whatever. And there's another spot also where he gets a chance... Um, to potentially have, you might not have seen this episode, um, kind of function as Batman again. And he's like, I won't be able to do this and actually be Batman. Not yeah, the Batman no, I, didn't I see that to be. Yeah, oh, you one. did or didn't? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I I think that's that's an important distinction. You know, like Cap gives it up. It's, it's, like, it's like when an athlete retires when they're like 30. And they're like... Take Pete Sampras, you know, like he was the best tennis player of all time. And then he was 30 and then he's like, all right, I'm going to hang it up. And he's like, well, I got 14 majors. Like nobody's ever going to beat that. Like fast forward a few years, there's three dudes with like 18 to 20 majors or whatever. <laughs> and, and Pete Sampras is no longer the greatest player of all time in anyone's mind. I don't think, but like, you know, that's, you're an athlete. Like you retire when you want to, you know, yeah. it's like, it's not really anyone else's business, but I could understand like maybe, um, you know, a less talented athlete who put all of their blood and sweat into the sport. And it's like, man, you're retiring at 30 when like you could, when you have all this ability, you know, I could see someone kind of finding that um, sort of upsetting. And, 
you know, meanwhile, you have other people like playing till they're 40. And the, the idea, like, I do believe that like, it's Cap's right to decide like, I'm done. You know, I've, Mm -hmm. I've warded off an alien invasion three times, you know, well, two, two out of three ain't bad, but, um, you know, and that's it, you know, I'm hanging it up. I think that's fair. Right. Um, at the same time to someone who's like, the mission is everything. And this is my identity. It, it's like incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference, you know, between Cap and Cap retiring and Bruce and, and right. you know, Batman retiring. Right. And I think a lot of what this goes to is something that we, we, we kind of touched on, but I wanted to kind of name very explicitly, which is that for Bruce Wayne, being Batman is the single thing he does most to help heal and deal with the trauma he went through as a young child. And... I think part of it is like he's grown past that. I don't think he's like actively suffering symptoms of of, of that kind of thing anymore. Uh, and you know, we could argue like, does he have PTSD or any of that kind of stuff? Like that, the diagnosing fictional characters, I think, is a terrible road to go down. Yeah, and it depends who's doing the writing, basically. Right. But he clearly has like major trauma that for him, like Batman was an actual like way to deal with. In the way that I, th- and so for him, it's like he wants to help the world, but he also needs to like deal with this thing inside of himself. Cap doesn't have that. Cap just has, like, I want to make the world a better place. I believe in these values. I want to stop bullies. But now I can let someone else do it because I don't have this compulsion to do it myself. Right. Right. And I think what makes Terry so interesting is that Terry, I think, is kind of halfway between Cap and Bruce in that his father did die and he does want to make sure no one um, goes through that same kind of thing again. But as you said earlier, like, he's 17. He's not 8. Or he's 15. He's not 8 or 9. He's... Um, one of his parents died, but he still has his mother and his brother. He didn't see his parents die, which I think is a really good point you make. So I think it, Terry, for me, plays this really interesting role, like halfway between Bruce and Cap. And yeah, me too. In terms of how much he needs to be mm-hmm. this person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cap's very much like, I can do this all day. Like, I don't like bullies. Like, I want to help. But he's there's not like an inciting incident that we see. It's like, that's right. just, that's who he is. But it's like, maybe he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, you serve a couple tours and then you're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, different people are different. So let me ask you this hypothetical and I'll ask it to both of you. And, and this can be kind of a closing question, although as normally happens, I ask a closing question and it leads to five <laughs> more. Um, but it occurs to me that part of why Cap is willing to, to step back at that point is Bart because he like he's just fought this epic, epic battle. He feels like, okay, I'm done. But also he knows that Sam Wilson exists and that Sam is there for him to pass the mantle on to. Do you think, uh, and actually I know you haven't seen this show, but just for your understanding of Batman in general, and, and Paul, your thoughts too, if Bruce Wayne had at an earlier point found someone who clearly could also become Batman and who he felt was as dedicated to the mission... Do you think that Bruce at like 40 or 50 would have maybe been willing to take the time, train him, really do the work of passing on the mantle, but then be able to pass on the mantle and, you know, maybe look up Selina Kyle or something like that? I don't think so for Batman. Yeah. No, because it's kind of like how you what, what you said. He is Batman and Bruce Wayne is his mask. So yeah. I don't think he could live out his life pretending to be this other person. 
Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. And I do think, like, he did train people mm-hmm. to right. be, you know, he trained Dick to, like, maybe be Batman at some point. But then he just kept being Batman and Dick got sick of his shit and was <laughs> like, I'm going to go be Nightwing. You know, and, like, Dick made up his own thing. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And I don't need to wait around for the mantle of Batman. Now, granted, in the comics, sometimes, you know, Dick Grayson does become Batman. Sometimes Damien becomes Batman. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people who have worn the mantle yeah. in different stories, right? Um, I think in this particular story, um, you know, it, it appears that nobody else actually did really become Batman for any stretch of time. So if Dick had stuck around being Robin till like, Dick was 40 and Bruce was 60 or whatever... Um, I think it's possible that Bruce would have been like, I think you should be Batman now. Yeah. Right. You know, um, but he'd had a falling out with everybody who maybe could have become Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there are some stories where I think he does kind of mentor Damien and is like a father, literally, but also, um, in function to him and, and Damien becomes Batman. And I think that story also makes a lot of sense. You know, but definitely in the Batman Beyond continuity, I don't, I don't feel like any of that has happened. Um, and yeah, so I, I feel like it could have been a possibility, but his standards were like so high that yeah. it just felt like nobody else, like, you know, you didn't have the heart for the mission. <laughs> it's yeah. like, And I think it may also be possible that he would be willing to, you know, recognize that his reflexes were getting slower and that his health was getting worse. And so that some other person should wear the 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 suit, but that he would always want to be involved as like the guy at the computer, the guy being right. detective work, you know, and that he yeah, could m- sure. maybe like balance that with more of a social life. But I was, yeah, I think Ashley, you're very right. You know, just I don't I don't see him ever being able to get to yeah. that point. Um, and I know it's why I, I have a lot of problems with Dark Knight Rises, but it's also one of the things I, <laughs> I dislike most about that movie. Oh, that you just felt that was not believable that he would have. Yeah, that he would just say, like, okay, my girlfriend died, or the woman I love died, so I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't get that from that movie. Oh, the Dark Knight. Oh, you you mean you dislike The Dark Knight Rises because what happened between it and The Dark Knight doesn't make sense to you. Right, yeah, that Batman retires, basically, for four Okay, years. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were referring to the end of Dark Knight Rises, where he retires again, but passes on the mantle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I think that, I, I think that's, again, like... That's not the Bruce Wayne we're talking about, but I think yeah. in that universe of Bruce Wayne, it would make total. I think they painted a picture of a universe in which that could happen. Yeah, right. I mean, if the first thing, then the second thing definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but you don't like the first thing. I, I, I get that. I, I, I can. Yeah. Bruce just needs to Both remember: signs. nobody likes to be micromanaged. <laughs> yeah. Also, very yeah. true. Such a problem. Also very true. Yeah, you've got to teach people how to do the things and then you have to trust that you've taught them yeah. well enough and they've learned well enough and then they do the things or they and get killed keep which oh, but do does happen way. a lot poor robins yeah sometimes that happens you're like, eh, god damn I'll i gotta farm up a new one <laughs> I, I mean look at what paul <laughs> was saying before about how batman has like literally created a contingency for every possible thing that could go wrong with every hero yeah the word yeah. control freak can be applied in this situation yeah. <laughs> it can it can very much um I do actually have one closing thought. Go for it. It's very brief, but one of the things I love the most about this show, which rewatching it, like, you know, there's some stuff. It's like, it's, you know, it's made 20 years ago. Uh, It could certainly be better in a lot of ways. But one way that it feels like almost unique to me 
um, is that one of the main characters is this old dude who's like, who matters. Yeah. And I just feel like we don't see a lot of that. It's like, you know, it's a teenager and like an 80 something year old. Mm -hmm. And both characters are very important. They both have agency. They both have depth. They're both treated like people. Um, and I just really appreciate that. And I, I wish we had a little bit more of that mm-hmm. or a lot more of that in fiction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would add like Bruce is a main character. Barbara Gordon is probably one of the most important side characters. And yeah. She's clearly in her 60s or so, maybe yeah. early 70s. And the relationship between the two of them is something that, you know, obviously they have a lot of – she has a lot of bitterness and resentment towards him. Mm-hmm. But they also have a great deal of respect for each other and have kind of found a way to – and they, they have the shared history they care about. So, yeah, it's, it's very nice to see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, seeing older women characters also who are, like, badasses, like, yes, please, a little bit more of that too. <laughs> yeah. Because I think the one thing I dislike most about the Arrowverse is, you know, every – the other portrayals of Amanda Waller, especially in – uh, both the animated show and the Suicide Squad movie, you know, she's pow- she is a middle-aged black woman who is heavy set. She's powerful. She's, she's definitely attractive in a lot of ways. But then in Arrowverse, they made her young and sexy. And I was like in a very kind of like stereotypical like way. And I just, I, I really didn't like that because I could take so much away from the yeah. the, the power of that Is character. that on CW? That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes. of course. They make everybody young and sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, in that world, like, if you are wearing less than four-inch heels, it means because you're disabled in some way. If you're a woman. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that, like, especially in the first two seasons, like, all the, the people they hang out with who are, like, either, like, everything from, like, high school students up to, like, the young adults of, like, Oliver's generation, they basically just took, like, the Gossip Girl wardrobe and bought it and moved it over yeah. because it's all of that. <laughs> Um, so Ashley, what about from you? Do you have any kind of last thoughts or questions or kind of observations about what we've been talking about? Not really. Um, I think you guys summed it up pretty good. I didn't have too many questions during it because at least I knew who the characters were and I thought you guys were fleshing it out pretty well. I kind of understand the story. Um, my, my, I guess, does it end? Is there an ending to this story? I think the ending is kind of what we're, we're talking about of... Like, it doesn't end with Terry deciding to stop be the hero. It ends with, I guess, Paul, see if you'd agree with this. I feel like the ending of it is we get to an end point of this tension because Terry decides that he won't do what Bruce does of giving up his other life, but he finds a way to kind of integrate the hero life and the the Terry life. Okay, so that's good. Okay. Paul, is it? You think that's a fair description? I think so. I think so. I mean, the, the series went on for three seasons, which was 52 episodes. And there was a movie, and then there's a few crossovers in the Justice League Unlimited series, which mostly takes place before Batman Beyond, but the episode in it takes place after Batman Beyond. And that one does kind of like, it wraps it all up with with basically Terry being like, yeah, I'm going to be Batman, but I'm going to be Batman the way I can be Batman, and I'm going to take care of, you know, the people who love me and have, like, real relationships outside of being Batman, even if it's only with, like, three or four people. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel for him, Batman isn't the mask, but Terry also isn't a mask. It's that they're both who he is. Yeah, with him, it's very much the duality, whereas with Bruce, it's it's Batman playing Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, listeners, what do you think? Um, if you're big fans of the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you never watch the show, but just what are your thoughts on this whole idea of sidekicks and uh, replacement heroes and passing on the mantle? Uh, definitely write in. You can find us at eth- 
You can find us by writing to theethicalpanda at gmail.com or by searching for The Ethical Panda on both Facebook and Twitter. You can also go to the website, theethicalpanda.com, and find all my podcast creations. Um, you can also search by either Paul or Ashley and find all the episodes they've been on. And the other place you can go is the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, and there you'll find all the podcasts I do, all the podcasts that Ashley has been on, which is quite a lot. Um, I know, Ashley, you've just done uh, a Binger's Assemble episodes on the Zack Snyder um, Justice League, which was really great, Thanks. definitely worth checking out. And there you'll also find the DC podcast I mentioned. You'll soon find the animated podcast I mentioned uh, and a number of other things. Uh, and Paul, uh, I know your cars are creating some great stuff. Where can people find what you're doing? Yeah, just at Zen Madman on Twitter, Twitch, uh, ZenMadman.com, all these things. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, uh, so thank you all so much. Paul, Ashley, thanks for a great episode. And to everyone else, have a great day. Bye.